Hey, it's Tom Kradza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, we chat with Mike Gillespie, who walks us through how he quit his job. That's right. He bought a bunch of real estate and then just said, screw it to his job and quits his job. Um, I always kind of like hearing these stories. I'm not telling anyone that they have to go quit their job immediately, but I know a lot of people want to immediately quit their job. So here's a story about someone who did just that, walked away from his job. It was a government job he walks away from. He does it with a bunch of real estate. You'll hear his story. And I just want to give everyone a big warning if you're about to listen to this is that when you hear when he started buying real estate 14, 15, 16 years ago, the property prices are going to be sound very different because they were. And the financing options are going to sound very different because they completely were. And some of you listening to this, and that means you are going to think, I can't invest in real estate anymore because I don't have the options that Mike had. I don't have the property prices that he has to deal with. I don't have the financing options that he had, so I can't do it. And I just want to explain something. Throughout our entire lives, people have said that they can't do it in real estate, whether that was uh, people telling our mom she was doing wrong things with renting out our, our family home as part of a boarding house in the 1970s just off, the, uh, just off Weston Road in Toronto, or our father flipping properties in the late 1980s. 80s and going through the deep recession of the 90s with property at that time, um, or it was myself and Nick starting to buy properties in our 20s, Nick flipping his first property at 20, uh, 21, us going on to buy rental properties together, and then starting Rockstar. Actually, when we started Rockstar, Rockstar was incorporated as a business in 2008. People told us, you know, now's pretty much the worst time to start a new business. There's this like massive financial crisis going on in the US. Um, Rockstar has gone on to thrive. We've actually been one of the fastest growing companies in Canada. Canada for the last four or five years. Um, so I, I'm just here to tell you that everyone's always going to think it's the, the wrong time. It's the bad time. What I would challenge you in thinking is look ahead 10 years. And do you think with the population growth coming this way 10 years from now, that your 10 year future self would think it's a good time or a bad time to acquire property right now? So we're not... We're not here. We don't have a crystal ball, but I just have a funny feeling that in 10 years, when another, you know, one and a half million people land in this area and the demand for real estate keeps strong, it doesn't mean there won't be a correction of prices over one year, two years, three years, four years or whatever. But I feel like over the next 10 years, 15 years, the property is going to be a good place to be. And the reason we think that is we all believe, or Nick and I at least believe, you need good assets in your life. You either buy them or you build them. And real estate is one of the best assets you can introduce into your life, especially especially income properties. So anyway, um, we talk about this a lot in one of the reports that we put together. Um, this particular report takes income levels in Canada from Stats Canada data and, and maps it against property prices. And it shows how the destruction of the middle class is happening right here in Canada. It's something we feel like we should be aware of and we should all talk about, but yet nobody talks about this kind of stuff in a big way. Um, we In that report, we actually extrapolate Stats Canada data forward and property prices forward and make some interesting observations from that. That's actually freaking scary observations. But uh, anyway, you can get a copy of that report at nomoremiddle.com. So that's www.nomoremiddle.com. Um, and you can see all the income data from Sats Canada mapped against TREB housing data and take a look at that. Uh, at that. We're actually going to um, update that report and come out with some new population um, forecasts mapped onto that data as well. So wait to see that stuff. Super pumped about that. That's coming um, and we'll be releasing that shortly. I don't have a date, but we are working on it. So I think that's it for now. With that, let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. 
It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. So, Mike Gillespie, I don't know uh, how why it's taking us so long to arrange this, but uh, it's. I think it's. I'm to. I'm at fault here. But, uh, a little bit of both. We, yeah, we've had to reschedule this uh, a bunch of times. But uh, Mike's just sitting here looking at some of the books in my office, and I was explaining that these are the books that haven't fit into the color co- coordination that my wife organizes our books. Because at home on our bookshelf, my wife organizes all my books into color schemes. So all the blue books go together, and all the black books go together, and all the white <laughs> books go together. And what this, what happens is, whenever I want to find a book with this format that she uses i can never find anything you need a legend or something yeah yeah so i end up having to go through all my books if i want to reference something and sometimes it takes i feel like it's not taking this long but sometimes i feel like it's taking me 20 minutes or something to find a book because i'm having to look through all these colors but according to her it looks way better on the bookshelf it looks better but it's hard to find what you need to to find (laughs) but mike's looking up at one of these books that uh, i'm just having major flashbacks it's the uh multiple streams of income by robert allen and uh I was just saying that I remember, did you read that book or no? No, I, I think, and this dates me a little bit, I think I actually had the tape series okay. or at least that, the CD series okay. way back in the day. Because those are the <laughs> tapes I spent $5,000 in my 20s at some point to buy tapes off Robert Allen. Yeah. And this box comes to my, it was the first house we had been, I was, uh, bought, I was just married. I did not have 5,000 extra dollars to spend. I think Nick and I had already bought a few properties by then, yeah. but $5,000, like that's a lot it's of a ton of money. It's back a then, ton of money. It's, it's now it's a lot of money back then. It was everything. I don't know how I convinced my wife to do it. And, uh, this box of tapes lands at the door and I don't even have a tape player. Cause even my Honda Civic at the time just had a CD player. <laughs> so I couldn't even listen to these freaking things. I had to go to Zellers at Zellers. Aaron Mills town center yeah. in Mississauga and buy a, like a old ghetto, not an old, I bought a new like ghetto blaster kind of thing. Yeah. And then I would drive to work at Oracle and back every day, listening to come my cassette tapes from Robert G Allen telling me, teaching me things. I think it was like sandwich lease options and, uh, that yeah, sounds can, familiar. yeah, no money, to, how to write no money down deals yeah. and do all this stuff and how to find like foreclosures or wholesaling and yeah wholesaling. everything and then i remember trying all these different things and i was realizing i'm like either i'm horrible at real estate or yeah. none of this really works in canada like i couldn't i know some of the stuff kind of sort of did yeah but some of the stuff i'm like i don't i can't really do this well I you don't. read it you get so excited it's like oh no money down perfect i don't have any money anyway because i just spent it all on this course <laughs> Uh, but I find so many of us gotten so involved in real estate. Are uh, we all are you know lifelong learners? And it sounds oh, yeah. like you're you're the same yeah. way. Every time I come here, you have a new book on your desk. Yeah, like, yeah, and yeah, I yeah. I look at yeah. your book, your bookshelf, and it's like, yeah, I got that one. Yeah, I got yeah, that yeah, one. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, there's some that I I find in the last few years. Um, I don't know if it's with my kids' schedule or whatever. I'm reading a bit less, and I find it frustrating because I used yeah. to do all my reading in the morning. Yeah. And now, because sometimes I'm not coming back from coming back from a soccer practice or even a dance thing until like 10:30. Yeah. At night. Yeah. And uh, by the time we get to bed, I'm after 11 o'clock, and I'm definitely not a night person. Like I want to be in bed at nine. Yeah. <laughs> but. Uh, I can't get up. If I go to bed at 11.30 and I do this day in, day out, I'm not getting up at 5 anymore. Yeah. Especially if I'm going to the gym and stuff. I need yeah. a bit more sleep. Yeah. And I've lost a bit of my reading time. Yeah. And uh, now that my son's starting to drive, he's just turning 17 this month. Wow. I'm, I'm already seeing, he's already driving. Yeah. And I'm seeing I'm getting some of that back. Yeah. And uh, just today, I got up at... Uh, just after five and I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is yeah. great. Like I just love getting up at that I'm time. I'm kind of getting back into the swing of things too. You know, uh, some of my, I, I have probably a similar morning routine as you. 
and reading was part of my morning as well, and that's kind of the thing that got lost as well. Uh, this morning was the first morning in a while where I'm back into the five. I'm not waking up at five. This morning was five fifty-five ish, but I'm back into the five now. Starting with a five. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So it's close enough. But uh, and this is the benefit of having podcasts as well. Like this is where I kind of make up um, the lost time reading these books or audio books. If you're driving a lot, you know I don't come out to Toronto too often, but lately more often than not um, I'm finding I'm able to get through maybe a couple podcasts or at least a little bit of like an audiobook or something so it's it's a substitute but I I love nourishing the mind kind of first thing in the morning um, it sets the like tone for the day yeah. yeah yeah so so I don't know all about your story but uh, I think I know some of it. So I know you met Irwin here at Rain at some point or at some time. You guys have crossed paths. Yeah. Uh, then uh, and er, he's mentioned your name to me a couple times. We ran in, into each other randomly. <laughs> I, I feel know. at the Bulletproof Conference in California. In California. We're gonna go all the way to California just to meet each other. <laughs> so I was going to the Bulletproof <laughs> Conference. I went one year by myself, and I came back and. I told Nick, I'm like, hey, there's this conference, this Bulletproof conference by this Dave Asprey dude, the Bulletproof executive, and he's got this Bulletproof coffee and all this yeah. stuff. And it's all this biohacking. I'm like, it's really cool. You got to check this stuff out. Yeah. And I think that's the next year I came with Nick. Because was Nick with me that year that mm -hmm. I saw you? Okay. And then you were there. And I think you were just, you liked it so much. I think you were just helping out at the conference. I was volunteering right? yeah, that yeah. year. Yeah. 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 So uh, <laughs> your Bulletproof, I, I will ask you about real estate. If you're listening to this to to hear some uh, stories about real estate. We are getting to that. But, uh, <laughs> the Bulletproof Coffee stuff, how did you stumble upon... Are you drinking Bulletproof Coffee now or no? Yeah, yeah I, have okay. it, I, I have it usually every morning. How, so, did, how did you stumble upon that? Um, where did I first hear about it? Um, more than likely one of, uh, one of my friends online, social okay. media type of stuff. Uh, I've been really passionate about um, human optimization and just trying to get the most energy that we can possible by following a couple little shortcuts or tips or tricks and things like that. So uh, I happened upon uh, the Bulletproof stuff. Actually, I think that I, I, I did a program years ago. I enrolled in a program and it was probably about four years ago. And he was introducing the ketogenic stuff, you know, higher quality fats. And I think that's where it was introduced to me originally. So that, and I wasn't a coffee drinker at all. You don't really hear that too often. Same. Usually, I was exactly the you know same. And I wasn't so, drinking coffee at all. So much so that I started with green tea and I was making this like weird concoction. Yeah. I didn't even so have you were like... sticking the butter in the tea? Yep. With and coconut I, oil? Uh, I don't think I did the coconut oil back then. Did you blend it? And that's the other thing. I didn't. Oh, So it was, it, was a, butter. it was a spoon. The butter melted in the tea, but the difference with the, the, the tea and the coffee is that the tea, the coffee seems to bind the fats better. So when I'm doing it with the tea, there would be so much more of the Clumps. fat res residue kind of left behind, whereas the coffee, it's a lot different. You know, you, you mix it up and it's all kind of contained in the drink. And I know you may have talked about it on the podcast before and the listeners are probably thinking, you guys are crazy for putting butter in your coffee, but... I can just suggest, you know, don't don't knock it till you try it. And oh, man. it's weird, but it actually tastes pretty good. I feel like <laughs> my brain was craving good fats because for the first year I was drinking it, yeah. I was having two cups and six tablespoons of butter a day. 
for like a year and I feel like I was craving the butter every morning, like yeah. literally craving the bulletproof coffee. Yeah. And then after a year, I almost feel like my body kind of got its, re, you know, restored good fats in, in my cells. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I feel like. Yeah. And it didn't, uh, I, I didn't really need as much after that. Yeah. But for the first year, I felt like I was just like my body had found this fat, this fuel source of fat, and it yeah. was just plowing it down. <laughs> it was like, it was totally brilliant. I was smuggling the, the grass-fed uh, <laughs> butter in from Niagara because you couldn't find, now there's so many grass-fed options here yeah. in Ontario, especially Whole Foods, Longos, there's tons yeah. of options. Yeah. Um, but the Kerrygold stuff still isn't available in Canada, and it's so good. Yeah. I was smuggling the stuff in from Niagara Falls. Like I would go in and, because you're allowed $20 per person is what your allotment is. Yeah. But I didn't know that, so I went and bought like, I think I bought $150 worth of butter or whatever Did and you? I, yeah and i declared it because i yeah. have nexus so i have oh, to declare everything yeah. so i get you with the duty Did yeah they... yeah well it's 300 percent. but i'm like i thought it was 300 percent of the the taxes like whatever the hst would be yeah it's three times that that you would pay in duty yeah but it's 300 percent of the value of the product <laughs> so i had to pay it was like they're like you owe about 450 dollars in tax <laughs> that's so expensive I, butter I, I, so i went back to wegmans in niagara falls and i returned it Oh, and uh, they took it back by yeah. some miracle. And I just took what I was allowed to take. Yeah. And then they're like, well, I'm like, thank you so much for taking it back. And then she turns around the customer service desk and throws it all in the garbage. Wow. She, and I'm like, oh, my God, I had a heart attack. I'm like, why, why did you do that? It's like the best butter. Why yeah. are you throwing out that great butter? Yeah. And she's like, well, it's a dairy product and it left the fridge and we don't know how long uh, it's been. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I just left here like 45 minutes ago. And she's like, yeah, we can't take that chance. And she just trashed it all. Oh. And you know when your heart's just broken? Yeah. So uh, anyway, my son was looking at me. And, I, and I think he was trying <laughs> to figure out like, dad, why are you about to cry over butter? You know? <laughs> yeah, like they the, say you cry over spilled milk. But, but, but good over... butter was hard to get. But now anyway, we can get better butter. Yeah. So um, the Bulletproof coffee you're still doing. Got yeah, it. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, Let me, I'm going to ask you more about this, but I want to flip to real estate um, yeah. for a second. What? So when did you start, what age did you start buying properties? Uh, let's do a little math here. I'd say 27-ish. Okay. So we yeah. were about the same age. And yeah. what, what was the allure? Like, what, why did you? Yeah. So it like started. Where, where were you in life at that point? Uh, I was working co-op at the Ministry of Transportation. Yeah. And a couple buddies, coworkers, um, were also relatively young, but they had full-time positions there. And they introduced me to the idea of real estate investing. They had one or two of their own, and they suggested I read Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I read it and just totally shifted the mindset around good debt versus bad debt, um, assets, um, various investment vehicles. And then I was, I was a sponge back then. And it's like, wow, you know, you guys are doing this. They were investing in student rentals at the time. Uh, you know, I asked them if they'd be open, if they'd take me on a tour of some of their houses, just to kind of see how they did it. And at the time, real estate values, I started buying in St. Catharines. I started... Uh, were houses free back then in St. Catharines? No, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny you say that. Um, I got it for free because the timing when we were just chatting a little bit before, like when we got in, the the lending environment was considerably different than it is now. And my first two investments were not only no money down, they were cash back mortgages. So the banks actually as an incentive to get your um, business would actually give you 5%, give you the 5% down payment and then give you just the rest of the loan, which is you know, the, your listeners are uh, probably not mortgages stayed around for quite a long time, but yeah, that might've been the height of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, 
that's kind of how it started. You know, um, I didn't have a lot of money back in the day. I, I still, you know, was co-op work term, just still kind of um, So you learning. were able to buy them zero down with yeah. cash back option to put money in your pocket? Uh, it wasn't money in my pocket. The cash back, I didn't have to put the 5% in. So yeah, they, sorry. Yeah, they sorry, spot- but didn't that cycle through you? Didn't you have to put the 5% cl- close on the property and then they gave you the cash back? Is that how it worked or no? Uh, I, I don't remember. Yeah, it was okay. so long ago, yeah, yeah, but... Okay. Uh, you figured it out. Yeah. Okay. So um, we did a couple five uh, cashback mortgages. We did a couple no money down deals and we did a couple 5% down deals. How'd you do the no money down stuff? That Was that through the banks or you negotiated with someone to carry back a mortgage? Uh, no, that's just what the the, the yeah, lender required back then. Yeah, they, yeah. Did, they didn't want or you just yeah. didn't this might have been around any... 2005 six that kind of around 2006 or yeah no, you zero just down. you just didn't need a down payment i know yeah i know not uh, Doesn't that sound crazy i now? know so it went for, well the craziest is them giving you the five percent which yeah. was like just unbelievable we were doing those at that time not only zero percent down we were getting this we were negotiating for the seller to pay our closing costs <laughs> so the seller so we were doing zero money down <laughs> seller pays for our legal costs and our land transfer fees and you had to declare it oh. also. The banks had to know. Like, you actually had to put it on paper. You had to disclose it to the banks. Yeah. But that, back then, the banks didn't really care. Yeah. So you just, now the banks are like, no, 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 no. We're not having any of that. You're not allowed to do that. We're yeah. not going to do it. But back then, you disclosed it on a Schedule A or Schedule B of the offer. You put it out there. The banks were completely fine with it. Yeah. And we were amazed. We were like, oh, my God. Yeah. We're buying zero money down. Literally. like, And they're paying for our, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're getting the seller to pay for our closing costs and our land. <laughs> insurance for all declared and upfront with everyone and we're like this is the yeah is this the a miracle from the yeah. he, the the mortgage heavens you yeah. know so well, uh, it's, yeah, it's the, funny you bring that up because uh it, it sounds one of those too good to be true things and back at the time when i first started i was again i didn't put much money in if any and i was buying them for Hundred and twenty thousand ish back in the day. What, what kind of property was it? Student rental. Sorry, right? student rental for so, one hundred twenty. So and the, and it was like a bungalow, raised range. Uh, kind of thing. Yeah, I would buy it as a three bedroom bungalow okay. usually. Yeah, and then driveway up the side, no garage, that kind of uh, place. Right, exactly. Yeah, okay. Yeah, um, renovate it, convert it into a six bedroom student rental. So three bedrooms up, three bedrooms yeah, down. Yeah, okay. and usually a duplexable. Whereas yep. you know, there's the kitchen, there's a living space down there. Or I could side open entrance. it up to so uh, a side entrance off the yeah, garage in the case driveway. That, yeah, it just makes it a little bit more convenient in case I wanted to convert it. So um, back to the whole too good to be true. You know, I used to, uh, and I'm sure you did too. You know, we had our spreadsheets, yeah. money in, money out, and then you've got formulas, and then it comes down to cash flow in the end. It's like I, I was positive cash flow uh, usually on average about like thirteen hundred yeah, bucks. Yeah. At Those the were end, the days. At yes. the end of it, yeah, yeah. right and. I could just like keep buying these things and I'm like, am I missing a yeah. field in my spreadsheet? Like, what am I missing? Or why is not everyone else doing <laughs> I know, this? Yeah, right? Yeah. And I'm... And, I'm and, and you start having doubts. You're like, I guess this isn't that good because no one else seems to be doing this. And yeah. at the time, there were less networking groups I found and less ways for us to all communicate yeah. to each other. Yeah. So even though you were doing it in St. Catharines, Nick and I were doing this stuff in Hamilton. Yeah, I, remember, I didn't yeah. know what you were doing. You didn't know yeah. what we were doing. Yeah. But we were all out there yeah. looking around going like, is this anyone doing I this know, stuff? I know, hello. Yeah. And I contemplated Hamilton first. I'm actually from Hamilton. I live in Niagara now, but I contemplated Hamilton just because it was local. And I looked at the market in Hamilton, rents and property values and St. Catharines. And I I just made the comparable, like you guys at the time were charging comparable rent. 
but the houses were a good amount more. And this was before like the, the crazy appreciation. And that's uh, that's interesting because everything is your perspective. I grew up in Mississauga. Yeah. So when we looked at the numbers in Mississauga compared to Hamilton, like you were comparing <laughs> Hamilton to St. Catharines. Yeah. We were comparing Hamilton to Mississauga and we were like, wait a second, why are we going to buy in Mississauga? These Hamilton numbers are way yeah. better. Yeah. We never took the extra step to go to St. Yeah. Catharines. That would have been like two. Hamilton at the time was rather adventurous because a lot of our friends were like, Hamilton. Hamilton, you're going to the ham- you're going to invest in the hammer. Yeah, like, what's wrong with you? Yeah, but uh, yeah, so that's interesting that your perspective. That to me is the story of life. The way your perspective is set and how you kind of manage your own perspective on life in so many different facets of life kind of dictate your happiness levels, what you think is good, what you think is bad. Totally. I remember when we were buying a property. One of my student rentals was up by York University, and at one point we were cash flowing on that thing eighteen hundred dollars a month. And I remember telling people. And they were like, no one really kind of seemed, I was in the, the tech world at that time and no one really seemed to care or anything. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. I think this is pretty good. Like, but I got no reaction from any peers or friends or anything. Now looking back, I'm like, remind me why I didn't go buy, in te- buy yeah. 10 more of those yeah. properties at that price yeah. point. And I think it's at the time, like in St. Catharines at that time, or at least Nick and I did in Hamilton. I don't know if you felt this way when you were buying. We were still scared. We still thought maybe we're overpaying for some properties. We mm-hmm. were like, you know, even though we were buying, and back then in Hamilton, we were buying like low twos was like an expensive yeah. house. Yeah. You could get high 100,000s. Like, and, and remember us thinking, ah, that's probably, we're probably getting ripped off, but the cash flow, like, like you said on the spreadsheet, it works. Yeah. I guess we'll do it. Yeah. But did you, it was that unique to us? Did you no, feel like you were getting you, um, you I were had comfortable? A, I had a lot of second guessing as well. Um, well, just mainly because I'm making this and it's like, well, why aren't other people doing it? But also I started in student rentals. I bought a bunch and then I started to contemplate other options. So started in student rentals, then contemplating flipping. Uh, I, I got into rent to owns. I got into, um, you know, buy and renovate type of thing and then rent. And then ironically at the end of all of it, full circle, right back to student, student rentals, rentals, you yeah, know, yeah. like, uh, and since then, I've now converted the student rentals to uh, duplexes. Yeah, that and, makes sense. And I'm making the same or more as duplexes, and there's a lot less um, management, right? Yeah, and turnover. Yeah, got it. Okay, so I'm curious. When you started, you were taking the cash flow then and just saving it up to go use to go as more down payments for other or closing costs because you were doing some zero percent down. So you were just taking the cash and just trying to buy as many properties as humanly possible. Uh, yeah. Was anyone trying to talk you out of it? Because most people we meet, especially new investors in their 20s, yeah. have their parents, their girlfriend or boyfriend, their spouse, someone's talking them out of it, yeah. especially to people in their 20s. Yeah. Did you have that? Um, a little bit my parents, um, but I was pretty mature for my age. And you know, I'm, I'm making like, bigger decisions than the average person in their 20s would make. So yes, of course, I mean, they thought they had my best interest. Um, but they're giving you the advice on what they know and what they know is pay off your mortgages, you know, debt is bad, all that stuff. So uh, it it was one of those, I appreciate the advice, um, but I'm going to do it anyway. So mostly it was, it was parents. And, and you can't blame them for that because their no. context, just as we were talking, exactly. was an era of the 1970s, 80s, inter- stagflation, super yeah. high interest rates. Yeah. Debt was bad. Right. When interest rates are in the teens, yeah. pretty much all debt, even if it's good debt, can be turned bad on you because if you can't carry it on a good property, right. it's still bad. Yeah. So um, they had that context and they were trying to protect you. Right. They exactly. didn't know that the 
central banks of the world would screw the world good and it would be low interest rates for the rest of eternity and good yeah. debt good debt is actually even better debt when low interest when low interest rates yeah. are so low yeah. but uh okay so you plowed through that yeah. and then um how did you who taught you to buy student like did you take a course like take a course on buying student rentals yeah. or so just- mostly I, mostly i learned from the couple guys at mto that were already doing it so they were my my guides and mentors this was around Brock, I guess? Yeah, so in Niagara, there's Brock University and there's Niagara College. So my strategy was buy in a location which could accommodate both in the event there was um, some supply issues with one of the schools over another. So um, yeah, so I, I learned mostly from them and I learned by just getting in and doing it. So looking at kind of my first initial leases, it was pretty basic, but as you get some experience and there's some lessons learned along the way, you go back to your lease and add some stuff. So for instance, like with a student rental, people are like, well, you're crazy. You know, they're going to trash your house. I'm like, yeah, they, they could. And so can families, but you protect yourself as best you can. And one of the best protections is you get a parent to sign as a guarantor. No kid wants to um, bugger up the house and do some damage and then you're calling their parents right so you know what for the most part and i'm you know it might be similar for you like i had a pretty positive experience investing in student rentals Um, oh yeah it's the same with us yeah Uh, the main reason i got into student rentals was primarily cash flow um same with us yeah (laughs) about halfway into working for the government i'm like I actually enjoy doing this other shit more than... What do you mean halfway in? Because you quit uh, in like a few more years or something? Yeah, you know what? I was uh, I worked for the government for about 13 years in total. So about six or seven years in, oh. uh, it started to shift for me at work because I really enjoyed this real estate stuff. Like I, I was getting a lot of fulfillment from taking something that nobody wanted and I got it at a discount. I went in, I got creative and did the right work. And now I turned it into something that's of high demand and I get to charge a premium for. And that kind of filled, you know, my, my fulfillment tank. Right. And then I got thinking, uh, can I do, can I do that? Like, can I work in can that? Can I live a life of passion and fulfillment? How dare I, right? <laughs> why, why would you think that? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the, the seeds were kind of planted then. And, um, I started to put a plan in place to, uh, plan my exit. So, and then uh, that's crazy. So you were planning your exit. Were you still in your 20s when you started thinking this uh, way? No, at that point, okay, I was in my in, 30s. You're in your 30s. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I want to get there in a second. I'm just curious. Were you living in St. Catharines at the time you were buying in St. Catharines or were you no. in Hamilton? Yeah, we were in Hamilton. Okay. So yeah. you're like well, 45 minutes? What's the, uh, what's the travel time? 35-ish. Okay. It depends. Um, and that was okay with you? Because a lot of people, again, we will meet. We'll meet a lot of people from Toronto and we'll tell them about like Barry. Yeah. For example, and they're like, well, I'm never going to buy in Barry. Like, Barry's way too far. And we're like, yeah. no, well, you're an investor. Like, go where the opportunity is. Right. I mean, you can buy in Toronto, and you there's absolutely opportunity in Toronto, but look at these returns up here, and yeah. look at the trends that are coming their way. Yeah. Um, and sometimes we can convince them, some, sometimes we can't. <laughs> um, were, you were okay with that? That 35 so, minutes didn't bug you? So I had a little bit of a benefit because I worked in St. Catharines. So yeah. MTO was in St. Catharines. I lived in Stony Creek anyway. So I'm already commuting, and... If I had to do something, like I can do it on my lunch break or it's government. So we had some, some flexibility, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. 
your lunch break, your your sixty yeah. minute, aka yeah. three hour lunch break. Ish, that, right? You know, it's sixty ish, right? Sixty ish. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if Nick's. Uh, I think I can share Nick's story. I remember coming home to my parents' house one lunch because um, when I was working. Um, at Oracle and Mississauga, our parents' house was close by. So sometimes I'd go by there for lunch. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'd drive in and I'd see the region of Peel truck parked in our parents' driveway <laughs> and my brother swimming in the pool in the back. And it's this is like, you know, 1.30 p.m. or something like that. I'm like, Nick, what's going on? It's He's like, oh, lunch. yeah, I'm just on my lunch break. I'm like, really? Eh? <laughs> it's like an interesting job that you have. But uh, I'm, I'm sensing a little jealousy. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> you know what? I worked for the government. And listen, anyone listening to this works from the government. I mean, government services are obviously huge. Canada is yeah. a great country. I love it just wasn't for me i worked for the government for a little while at pearson yeah. as a student customs officer yeah and uh i just couldn't do it the the pace of it i just felt like my soul yeah. was leaving my body yeah um and that was just me as a part-timer in there yeah. so i just knew i couldn't go full-time into the, yeah. into the and, government and that's how i was feeling kind of in my later years of the government where i'm all about progress and let's push this forward let's get these projects done and there are sometimes there's meetings and they their solution, not always, is to throw more people at it, maybe hire contractors. And now you're in these cell conferences of like 20, 25 people. People aren't making decisions. And sometimes at the end of the day, you're, you're going backwards. And at the same time, I'm looking at my real estate. And it's like, you know, here I am coordinating contractors. And, you know, I, I'm going to my rentals and seeing the progress of like a basement rental. It's like, yeah, things things yeah, are moving yeah. forward. So there is that sense of accomplishment. Yeah, I, and I'm curious, uh, roughly what what price point were you buying the properties in St. Catharines back then when you started 14 years ago? And roughly what are those properties worth? At, ballpark, just to yeah. give everybody a, yeah. some context of yeah. that area. So first buying, I think our first one was in and around 120. Yeah. And oh my gosh. Yeah. 120. Yeah. And you were renting out six bedrooms. Six bedrooms, bringing in 2,400 in rent. Oh my god. So you were doubling the one percent rule that we all learn in all these <laughs> real estate books. Yeah. So if you've never heard this in these real estate books, you're always taught. You're always taught these things that you can't really do. Mike went and doubled down on it because you're taught like the one percent rule that you should never buy a property where you know, 1% of the value of the property should be generated in monthly rents. And that's a good deal. <laughs> yeah. So like if you buy a property for $300,000, you should get 3000 in rent. Yeah. Um, that's really hard to find. And, and unless you use different strategies, yeah. you're doubling it. Yeah. That's and, insane. And that's what, and that's the kind of the second guessing. It's like, this isn't just a, a little bit that you're making. Like this is substantial. Like, and I'm just a newbie. Like, how am I happening upon this? And some of the experts aren't always already here. Wait a here. second. So $120,000. So like in how many years, if you took all the cash flow, you're paying off the property in cash and like you could do it if you really put your mind to it. Yeah. Like so that. so what we did is we've always just had kind of a revolving line of credit. From day one, we had the CIBC line of credit and all of our rent would go in there. Um, all of our expenses would come out. And uh, eventually over time, if we're not taking money out, it, it's just starting to get paid down. Then we buy our next property. We use that line of credit for oh, renos. Nice. It goes up again. So your and line it, of credit it was just was your this. Float. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, we always did it. And we never really had a separate bank account. It was just always, this is our line of credit. And this is like before corporations like and yeah, corporate yeah, yeah, accounts yeah. and business accounts None and all that stuff. I knew about that stuff back then. Yeah, it was, it was easy back then. Yeah, huh? yeah, yeah. One, one account, everything's yeah. going in. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, that's kind of how we did it. So, to ask, to answer your question about like the cash flow, you know, what'd you do with it? But that, that's what we did. We would, we would buy the house. Awesome. We'd use the line of credit as, um, um, to pay for the, the renos and then, uh, cash flow over time, like the, that, that 1300 bucks every month would just 
eat sure. at it. So yeah. that would bring it down. And then we buy the next one. We find some more money or, or no money down deal and we repeat. Yeah, good for you. And yeah. then what do you, what is, so that $120,000 house as an example, yeah. what is it worth now? Uh, 340-ish. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. So I bought, and a lot of that's the last probably three years, even yeah, four years, three yeah, or four years. Yeah. So there's the announcement of the the go service going out there, and it's not as much of a secret anymore. Rockstar, no. yeah, is, yeah, uh, yeah. We ruined that. Trust me, we were damn you, Irwin. We were keeping a secret for a while. So <laughs> JP Gulbis on our team lives in St. Catharines. Okay. Yeah. And for years, he was, we were doing stuff in Hamilton. Our office is obviously in Oakville. And for years, we were doing stuff in Durham, Barrie, Kitchener, um, Hamilton. Yeah. And then uh, then all of a sudden, JP in uh, starts doing, because he lives in St. Catharines, he starts doing things in St. Catharines. And he's kind of quiet about it. He's not really mentioning too much about it. <laughs> Just some of the investors he's working with are buying properties out there. Yeah. And then we kind of get wind of it. And he was always, we were always laughing because he used to always have to make the drive from St. Catharines to um, Hamilton or Burlington. Way back, we were doing stuff in Burlington. Wow. And uh, and then he uh, he was like, yeah, I always got to drive this way. And then he was starting to laugh at us because he's like, oh, it looks like the tables have turned. They're coming <laughs> out my way. Yeah. And then uh, word kind of got out and... Uh, we, uh, yeah, we shared St. Catharines with a bunch of people internally. We started talking to people like Irwin about St. Catharines. Yeah. We started talking to more investors about yeah. St. Catharines. And now St. Catharines has a bit of um, a name to it. But I find it's still very much just in the real estate investor community. Yeah, Like most people don't know about the opportunity that St. Catharines presents. Yeah. And so many people are coming to us today in the year like 2019 saying, Hey, Tom, I hear Hamilton probably like there's some opportunities in Hamilton, right? Like it's, a, they live in Toronto and yeah. they're and, and Hamilton has, and will continue to have amazing opportunities. Yeah. But I'm like, Holy smokes. A little bit a, of a delay. That's so 10 years ago. Yeah. But, uh, but the downside with that is what I find is people like yourself and myself, when we've been investing or you lived in Hamilton, we've been investing in Hamilton. You think the opportunity is over, but right. the next 10 years in Hamilton with the population growth, all these communities between Toronto and Niagara are going to explode. Yeah. I, I can't remember if I've shared this stat with you, but, um, the, my favorite one right now is that one of the Toronto housing authorities did a population analysis and they said the GTA, so wherever they drew the borders of it, I don't know if it ended at Mississauga or whatever. In 2016, the population was 6.7 million people. Yeah. And by 2041, which is 20 years from now, the population is going to be, uh, 9.7, oh. 3 million more people. And we look and at the condos going up and thinking th there's not going to be a demand for these, but. Well, the, the population of Toronto itself is 2.7 million right now, 2.8 million. So basically in the next 20 years, another city oh, the size of yeah. Toronto is coming in here and it's going to spread out through this golden, the GTA golden horseshoe area. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, the, the next 10, I used to think, ah, maybe the last 10 years was like a, kind of a lucky run. Yeah. But I think, man, we got another 10 year run in here where the population is just going to explode. Yeah. Um, we are attracting a high level of quality immigrants into this country that are coming in educated, joining the workforce, starting to pay contribute taxes and that kind of stuff yeah it is really going to be a dynamic area because yeah. when you mix in more money creation with more people big things are going to happen so st Catharines is going to have more than one go train a day mike that's my Whoa, message to you yes that's my that's my message so uh anyway so you're in st Catharines, you start buying these properties how do you finally are you when you decide to quit your job are you uh i don't even know are you married right now uh separated you're separated kids yeah. or no kids two kids two kids yeah okay so how do you approach the whole quit the job thing? Was that a difficult conversation to have? Were you married at the time that you did that? Yeah, yeah. No, uh, she 
didn't really understand the whole real estate investing thing at first. Um, we had a lot of money coming in because I worked for the government and she had a full-time job as well. So it was one of those, well, what's the risk? You know, we're not putting a lot of money in yeah, anyway. That's true. Yeah, yeah. You go do your thing, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. So I did and we started buying properties and money started to flow in. She's like, ah, you might be onto something here. Keep doing that stuff, right? Um, so that's a good feeling when you stumble onto something like that. I know, right? <laughs> so good like that. And um, she saw a shift in me over time where, you know, I'm, I'm really feeling these other things and my confidence was higher and she felt that confidence. So she had a lot more belief in it. Now, she's a little more, more conservative and, you know, um, you, you work your job, uh, more nor security. More normal. That's the, yeah, that's the normal. normal way to be. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So um, there was some apprehension, but I, I'm really good with planning and spreadsheets and numbers and all that stuff. So when I contemplated doing something like that, you know, I kind of put a plan in place. I, I put all my numbers in the spreadsheet. I put all my, all the cash flow money in, money out. And then all I did was change the field of personal income to zero and looked at what the impact that would have on my cash flow. So obviously it would make it negative. So I thought, well, what number, I call it the magic number, what number would I be comfortable with, whether it's negative or not, you know, maybe it's negative 500. Maybe I'm okay with that because the, the cushion that we have in our bank account would sustain us for a good amount of time had I made like zero dollars and something else, right? So um, yeah, that's what I did. So we, uh, I'll just hypothetically say I was negative $2,000 in cash flow, whereas before I was maybe positive, positive 2,500 or something, right? So negative 2,000, so I'm like, okay, well, well um, maybe we just buy two more student rentals. There's 1,000 each done. There's my income supplemented. Um, I'm doing something else, things more I enjoy. So um, that's kind of how I went about it. And usually when people transition into something else, they don't know exactly what they want to do or have an idea. And, and I didn't. So um, yeah, I started to take a couple breaks from my job. Like I still had my safety so net. Like a leave of absence? A little yeah. Bit? So yeah. first it was like, you know, maybe I'll take half a day off and, you know, just question things, you know, what do I want to do? What do I enjoy doing? Uh, I think one of our common mentors, Philip McKernan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So were you, Philip come in and he's come out and speak, uh, spoken at one of our Your Life, Your Terms event. Yeah, good guy. Yeah, totally. And, you know, the irony is like, we all got connected kind of in the real estate field and he's shifted and I'm kind of following a, a similar path as him. But yeah, so he was my mentor back in the day and, you know, he just challenges you a lot with stuff and, you know, quit settling and, you know, live life on your terms, yeah. create the life that you want, right? So um, yeah, I started to take a couple breaks from my job. Half a day's turned into full days, which turned into maybe two days off. And I would use my vacation time to, to just take time off and then explore and experiment with things that I enjoy doing, right? So um, I, I knew real estate and I liked helping people. So I became a real estate business coach, right? So and at that point, I was on an unpaid leave of absence. I had coaching clients like, this is working, you know, I'm, I'm confident I can do this. And then uh, I asked for a second year leave of absence and they're like, okay, I'm like, sweet. Wow. So I, uh, I transitioned from a real estate business coach more into life coaching, holistic type 
coaching, you know, not just, you know, here's business, here's money. It's balance. So holistic meaning you're looking at all aspects yeah. of someone's life. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, I can teach you how to make a million bucks in real estate, but if that's all you learn, you, the rest of your life is going to be lacking the relationships, the health and all that stuff. So, yeah. So that's where I'm at right now. Yeah. Good for you. Wow. Yeah. And you're smiling as you say it. That's, uh, that's oh, really feels cool. good, man. That's really cool. Okay. So I want to backtrack just a little yeah. bit on the real estate stuff because you said something that your student rentals turned into, um, duplex legal duplexes or whatever. Yeah. Just, can you paint the picture? How much income do you generate from that kind of setup? So, um, just for someone listening to this who has no idea, yeah. like how much can you rent a top floor and a bottom floor out on a legal yeah. duplex like that? So, so now I'm at, some of my houses are 3000 ish. Um, I get them to so pay. So that's why it's close to what you were getting on student rentals or, yeah. or, or, even, and, and I'm, or even more than you were getting yeah. maybe on some. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of what the mark and the, not only did property values increase, but obviously rents. so did rents. Yeah. So, um, I've fully converted all of my student rentals, um, early 2018. Okay. Yeah. Now they're all family. And you were rentals. able to navigate, they were all in St. Catharines or yeah. what? Yeah. Management of them is less though. Cause you have just two families, right? Yeah. Instead of the set of six students. Yeah. So you're happy with that. Yeah. So, it, and this is where a big shift has come over the last couple of years. I, I hung on to the property leasing and the property management for probably longer than I should have. And now like looking back, I'm like, why didn't I do that sooner? Like, yes, I'm paying money to do that stuff, but that was such a huge distraction and it's freed me up to do more of the stuff that I enjoy. Why does it take us all of us so long to do that? That's not just in real estate. That's in all aspects of yeah, life. Yeah, well, it's the mindset of nobody can do it the same as me and it costs money to pay other people to do it when I can just do it myself. But we fail to to realize that w there's an opportunity cost there, and what is your time worth, right? We all, you know, we're 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 in it. Sure, yeah, um, we're doing this. We're saving money. We think, but maybe my time's worth fifty an hour, and I could be paying a cleaner twenty an hour. So there's a gap there, right? And had I paid the cleaner, it freed my hourly time up to do maybe finding the next deal that could potentially make me. 25 grand just closing on the deal right so it's so true i mean i'm just thinking back to all the times nick and i have um, i remember hiring our first assistant we were so panicked um that we hired her for i think two and a half days a week not five days a week because we were like i don't know if we can afford her and and, and it really at that time it wasn't that much money um, and, uh, I don't know if we have enough work to keep her busy yeah. and it's funny how we justify things. Cause you're like, well, if we don't have stuff for her to do every minute of the day, why are we even hiring her? We should just do it ourselves. And you kind of play all these tricks with yourself. Yeah. And, um, we still, even now, even today we're better at it, but you still find yourself in that yeah. kind of trap. So, uh, cool. So those, um, so yeah, that's interesting. Those properties, it, I just want to touch on what you said about rents. Um, because of the banking changes in Canada, we've just seen rental demand right across the board increase like from Toronto condo, like literally from downtown Toronto condos all the way to Niagara. Like you could go from Durham, like way east, Belleville. Let's yeah. go from Belleville right all the way over to Niagara. Yeah. And rents across the board are up and strong. Yeah. Well, right? tell me tell me what rents are in uh, uh, Stony Creek for like a three-bedroom uh, semi. Because I have... Uh, our first home that we bought, we lived in and we kept it and we kept it as a rental and we have the same tenant in there for the last 
probably 12 years. So oh. I just cashed his uh, e-transfer today, and it's what, for much? it's for 1460 for a three-bedroom semi uh, in Stony Creek. Backsplit kind of house? Uh, two floor. Okay, two, two floor. floor. Okay, yeah. okay. And there's the, the go station that's yeah. going in on Centennial, yeah, and I'm yeah. literally Steps probably five from minutes it. from it. So I could, and I yeah, check so with Irwin every so you're often. Under, you're under market. So we're seeing it all over the place. We're seeing homes. Uh, I don't want to overshoot because sometimes what I do is I share like the most aggressive price I've seen. Right. And yeah. I want, I guess I'll give you the range, but it's, it's definitely like low would be 1700 figured, and yeah. high is like, or the, the range, I guess, 1700 to 2000. Yeah. And we're seeing more and more go at like 1900 yeah. steady. Yeah. And it's not too long ago where we were renting out whole houses, never mind a semi, entire house for like 1450 on the Hamilton Mountain. 1450, <laughs> thinking that we, people in the area were like, you got 1450 houses rent out here for 1200 bucks. Yeah. And we're like, no, we got 1450. We're great. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I had no idea I could get what I could get until I hired uh, like a leasing agent. And they're like, really? You, you can get me that amount. Like I just thought that it was going to be a lot less. That's why I never really considered that route, but it has skyrocketed so much. And the student rental demand, the the light bulb went on for people. And then a flood of people came in and bought, yeah, yeah. which made it more difficult for, for me to rent. Right. So uh, that's what kind of triggered the shift for me, as well as knowing that the rental demand for like the family stuff was a lot higher than I originally expected so originally i bought for cash flow just like you but these last couple of years th this appreciation is yeah and that's what i kind of tell bonus. people as your financial needs kind of change like we all want cash flow because everybody wants to quit their job tomorrow yeah right so everybody wants the cash flow and people will constantly tell us you can't find cash flow and i'm like you're just not creative enough like between legal duplex creating a duplex on a house or doing student rentals or doing um, Airbnb stuff that we see I people know. doing from Toronto condos all yeah. the way down to someone on our team is Airbnb her uh, Welland property and making a great amount on it. So Welland. there's all, yeah. yeah. So there's always ways to make cash flow. Just yeah. everyone gets in their head that like you can't, yeah. prices are too expensive. And to me, that's just an, such an uncreative, unimaginative answer. Yeah. It's like there's always ways to make cash flow. You just have yeah. to kind of like think outside the box a little bit. Um, and that's what's good with real estate. There are so many options. You can experiment with a couple. And I, I mentioned this earlier, you know, I started with student rentals and then I don't know if it was boredom or fear of missing out on other things. Yeah, probably uh, both. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, so I bounced around. It's like real estate investors are notorious for that. <laughs> what did you say? Airbnb is the place to be. And then they run yes. off and go do Airbnb stuff. And we joke, but yeah. um, there was a. Uh, there was a time where I used to go to networking events and real estate groups often. And um, it was almost as if my buying froze when I, I attended some of these things because I, I was so handcuffed. There was just so many, so many opportunities, decisions. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but we, and that's something when we work with new investors, we do a, we try to work with them. Um, to eliminate some of their options by saying, yeah. hey, look, you, you know, you, um, if your goals are this, you don't want to do this type of option or that type of option just yeah. to kind of bring them home because most people, once they get into real estate investing, they think they should buy an apartment, build one student rental, <laughs> one apartment building, do a flip, 
and you know do a rent to own yeah and we're like hey let's just talk about what your goals are what your lifestyle is like back them up a bit back them up a little yeah. bit and then make a choice but what you what you said is really important there nick and i obviously were invested for the cash flow at first and i feel yeah. like everybody starts that way yeah but once you're in real estate for any length of time yeah. so i'd say like especially 10 years over the appreciation kicks in to such a point where the mortgage is being paid down and the appreciation is going up that um, that's where the big money in these properties lies. And that's actually the game-changing money that yeah. we often don't even talk about as real estate investors, I think almost to our own detriment, like sometimes enough. Like some Rockstar members that we've been working with since 2007, a couple of them have came up to us and we don't even talk about this too much. I don't know why, but they've come and thanked us and said, hey, look, you know what? From the properties I purchased back then, I have a, like a couple million dollars in equity. <laughs> you know, thank you. And I'm just like, yeah, that's good. Yeah. And we just, we do... I think because we don't want this to be about the money, and I know I'm talking about this right now and kind of we're talking about money, but yeah. I think real estate gets such a bad name around the get rich quick, make a lot of money, make millions, yeah. that we sometimes downplay that aspect of it so much. But there is big money in real estate. Yeah. That's the weird part. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's there's multiple ways to make money and in real estate, streams which is it. awesome. Yeah, yeah. So then you, so you ultimately, uh, you, you're, you're buying the properties, you make this transition, um, you quit your job and then how do you, um, are you lost for a little while? Do you go into this holistic coaching that you're doing now like seamlessly? Because it started with business coaching. So it yeah. was seamless then. Like you weren't kind of wandering around lost with yourself. You had found something for yourself and that's a nice transition. Yeah. You kind of got lucky. Yeah. No, it was, uh, I was doing the real estate business coaching. Um, I actually had a partner at the time and you know, he wanted to continue just the real estate business coaching. And um, I'm like, you know what, there's there's something more like there's you, I, I started to tap into the gut a little bit more and, and just kind of go with the feeling. And it's like, you know what, like I, I, I really enjoy this other stuff. And you and I, you know, we share a, a common interest of health and things like that. And it's like, you know what, like um, so I started to make a little bit more of a shift in learning some some health stuff and uh, started to get some positive results and. Yeah, I, I wanted to share more of that with other people because once you get the the more energy and more health, like you're that much more productive and focused and you're able to to not only do more, but enjoy life that much more. And that's that's one thing that I was missing. And I know there's a lot of other real estate investors. It's like, what are we doing this all for? And then sure, at the beginning, we, we write out all our lists and here's our why, here's our beliefs, here's whatever, right? But then we, we're so in it, and I'm speaking from example, uh, from experience, that we forget. You know what? Like, I said that I wanted to get in this so I have more freedom. Like, we all say that, right? I want to spend more time with my kids and all that stuff. And then I got to a point, like, we got to, like, 13 properties, and it's like, wait a minute. Like, and this is probably McKernan drawing this out of me. It's like, I already have what I want. You know, I already have the kids. Like, I, I, I've created – I could have the time if I choose to have the time. What's going on here? So it was at that point, the light bulb went on. It's like, I already have what I want. And I just took a break from, from buying. And I started to enjoy my efforts from years ago. Like I worked my ass off, just like you guys did, to, to get to where we're at. I don't want to retire when I'm 60 and go on the cruises when I'm, I'm old and I can't necessarily move around. Like, a, enjoy the freaking journey. Like, you know? 
So that's kind of what I did. Yeah. So we obviously, you've summed it up perfectly there. And, and it's funny because I think when I got busy with stuff in my career and then in the real estate and even at the beginning of launching this business, I remember telling myself, I don't have time for some of these other things. I don't have time to go to the gym. I don't have time to eat right, you know? Yeah. And, uh, now I realize when you when when you add these different parts to your life, you feel so much better. Yeah. You're like, how could I ever go back? It's like kind how? of counterintuitive, right? Yeah, totally. I don't have, or like you know, people with meditation, like I don't have time to meditate. You know, those are the people that need oh it most. Yeah. And but it just fuels. It actually gives you more energy. So sure, yeah, you might be at the gym for forty five minutes. A lot of people see that as lost time. Waste, yeah, but. That 45 oh. minutes may give you an extra two hours of productivity totally. or maybe Not you just don't... that. When I go on vacation with my kids, I feel like I can run down the beach and play beach soccer. Like I'm four. Right? I'm, I'm not old, but I'm 46, but I oh, feel like I can play like a kid. Yeah. You know what I mean? I totally I know guess what 46 you mean. Is old, 46 is old. <laughs> I just but messed for, with you. But, uh, but I feel 40s. like I can run down and like jump around. I love and, it. And, and like, yeah, jump off the sides of cliffs yeah. and do all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. And yeah, I, just, I feel alive. Like, yeah. whereas I feel even seven, eight years ago in my mid uh, or 10 years ago, so it would be in my mid thirties. I couldn't yeah. do that. I yeah. wouldn't, I didn't have the energy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I, I feel like I have more energy now than I almost ever yeah. did. That's what I mean. You enjoy life that much more. And, and yeah. And to me now it's funny when we have problems, I kind of laugh at when, when, cause I don't really believe in having really problems anymore. It's just like, this is life. Like this situation that came up that we're calling a problem. And it is legitimately a pain in the ass of something. I don't know. Yeah. A property needs a new furnace on an emergency basis or something's going on yeah. at Rockstar here that we need to address. And it is like, I guess a legitimately you could call it a problem, but I'm like, ah, this is life. This isn't good or bad. This is just what it is. This is how we're living. This is, I've chosen to deal with this stuff. This yeah. is my life. So I'd rather just be happy, full yeah. of energy dealing with it yeah. than classify it as a problem and everything kind of sucks, you yeah. know? So I think when you make that mind shift, yeah. it really helps change your context and uh, having uh, the energy by taking care of your health and going to the gym. Yeah. Huge, man. Yeah. Um, so I, you, you talk a little bit and it, it kind of reminds me about the comparison of employer versus entrepreneur. And I'll just share real quick as as an employee, as an employee, my my feelings, my my energy levels, my my interest, it peaks at the beginning. Like it, there's this huge incline. There's some excitement. There's some variety. Um, you're you're learning. Like all the things that you know, I I look for in things, right? Uh, and for me, eventually, like it kind of tapers off, and then it kind of flatlines for a bit. And then the longer you're in it, the it starts to decline. Whereas as an entrepreneur, there's ups and downs throughout, you know, like you're totally, you're, you're yes. not, yeah. you know, you talk about problems or yeah, whatever, yeah. however you want to categorize them. Like, yeah, that's, that's part of it. It's how you deal with them, how you get out yeah, of the lows. it's not good or bad. It just, it's a problem. Yeah. And let's see how we're going to handle yeah. it. Yeah. And, and I just tell people, as long as your previous lows and highs are lower than your new previous lows and highs. So I just think of it like a graph, you know, it's, you know, uh, when you're in your job, it's kind of like flatline. When you're an entrepreneur, like you're bouncing from, totally. you know, this may happen where you're on a complete high. You just got, you just, just some deal that got accepted and it was amazing. Yeah, and they, another and, time the cleaners <laughs> don't show up and I'm emptying the trash out of the kitchen because we have a class the next day and there's no one else here to empty the trash. Yes, you know, right. Doing so the ups and downs. And I tell people like, it's not easy, but it, it's worth it. You yeah. know, as, as someone that's a little bit on the other side of this, you know, I'm, I'm a little past the work your ass off, learn everything that you need to. I'm, I'm, I'm 
I'm able to now kind of reflect back on where I was and it's freaking amazing on the other side of this. So. Yeah, it really, I, I really, uh, yeah, I totally hear you. <laughs> and uh, I find now the only time I get frustrated is if I'm working on something that would be considered a problem. The only reason I would get frustrated, I find, if it, they're small problems. And I'll tell myself if I get fr if I'm feeling frustrated, it's likely because in my life at that moment, I'm dealing with small problems yeah. and that as soon I just need bigger problems, I need bigger, more important problems to work on. And as soon as I put my attention towards those, I feel good again. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's just when you're handling kind of mundane yeah. stuff, but I want to, and I also want to share one other really important thing. I think you, you said earlier mm -hmm. that we kind of glossed over. You said that when you were quitting your job, you didn't really know what you wanted to do, or you, you kind of alluded to that a little yeah. bit. I, I want to call that out because most people will talk to us and they'll say, well, you guys got lucky. You had it all figured out. Like you just, and I want to <laughs> you say, woke look, up one morning. Yeah. And, and I, I want to say the reason that we chose real estate is that I was, our, Nick and I were already buying properties. So Nick did his first flip when he was 21 years old. Yeah. We were buying properties in our twenties. Um, we didn't have this network. Like we all know each other now and stuff. Yeah. We just kind of felt like we were floating out there on our own. Um, but I remember hitting about 30 years old and then 31 and thinking, I'm going to quit. Like I have to quit my job. Job, and I couldn't figure out what business I wanted to go into. And I really just thought, I remember one day vividly thinking, well, everyone I know in life who has like a lot of money, they ultimately have real estate. I already have some real estate and those properties are cash flowing. They're doing well. I want to even buy more. Yeah. I guess I'll just go into real estate. Yeah. Like that was the full analysis. Yeah. <laughs> and I just thought, I guess, you know, maybe if we could help some people, we won't go do the regular real estate thing. It'll be good. Yeah, and that that was literally the entire analysis. And I got out a piece of br uh, one day I had a really bad bad day at work, and I got out a piece of Bristol board, and I kind of mapped it out a little bit better than just that. Yeah, but there wasn't this like heavens parting right. and someone speaking down to me saying, "Tom, yeah. you will begin a company called <laughs> Rockstar Real Estate." You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and you will live life on your terms. You yes, know? it wasn't that at all. So if you're listening to this and you're you're kind of struggling on what what you're thinking, you might quit. Know that. I mean, that might, that's, you didn't have the perfect plan. You just kind of went your, you found it, right? Yeah. We didn't, it yeah. just kind of evolves. Yeah. So yeah, if I can suggest uh, uh, something to the listeners is we get so busy with things that we don't know what we want to do because we don't really give ourselves some time and space to think about it. So the game changer for me was to take a little bit of a breather. And I can appreciate that maybe some people can't take a, a full year off. I'm telling you, like I, I didn't start with the full year. Start with what you can do. Maybe it's half an hour in the morning and you're just kind of contemplating things. Um, but if you stay in the busy for as long for for as long as you do, like you're never gonna figure it out. Um, all we did is we just went with what we knew at the time. Same with me. Like I I knew real estate. I knew I liked to help people, so put them together and I just went with it. So I tried it. I'm like, oh, this isn't too bad. Oh, well, what's this other thing, right? And then I, it just evolves the more you experiment with things. But the challenge is that someone, uh, people are so busy that they don't have There's no space. Yeah, they, they can't create, they can't create the space to think about other things or they don't have the time to actually do some of the other things. So again, it doesn't have to start with a, a year of, a year of a leave of absence. No, I Start wish I small. had that. I wish I, yeah, my small was literally, um, my space was getting up at 5 a.m. And then from five till just about seven in the morning before uh, my family would get up, yeah. um, I'd be hiding in my unfinished basement of my house <laughs> with a notebook and reading and yeah. just having time with myself to think. This is about, the stuff that people don't 
hear often about. You know, this is this is this is where it got created. Yeah, yeah, and and I remember just <laughs> those times, literally, probably mornings on end, not really accomplishing much, but just having the opportunity to think and think about what I wanted to do with my life and what my where my career was headed. And at that time, I would I was meditating a lot back then mm. in the mornings. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I've ever told you, but our mom took a, I always make this joke. It's like, I, I don't think regret so. Yeah, they yeah, brought we, you to a meditation a camp. camp. Yes, I remember <laughs> I that. Like, does it sound like I went to some cult or something when I said that? But it was so good. It was like the best thing ever. Wow. But uh, anyway, I, back at that time, that was my time. Like I didn't have the year off, but every yeah. morning I had from 5 to 7 a.m. And I found it really valuable. Like some of the books that uh, really had the biggest impact on me were the ones I read during those hours. Yeah. You know, and then I remember... Uh, writing out just different goals and some of them came true. Some of them, um, I don't even know what where they would be right now, but just kind of planning and playing with your own thoughts. Like this yeah. might sound ridiculous, but for me, that was my space. Like I needed that, those creative hours yeah. just to read and think. And those two hours, it adds up over time. Up. Like that's potentially, if it's every weekday, that's 10 hours a week or It added up. I started building some websites. That's how I learned about some search engine optimization stuff. Because in that time I started monkeying around just building stuff. Yeah. And, uh, learning about different things. And it was huge. Yeah. Definitely changed yeah. my life. I, I did that for years. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and that's, think how affordable that education is. Like oh you paid gosh. 20 or 30 bucks for each There's book. a website that we bought, uh, we bought, uh, that was like a website, kind of like a for dummies for search engine optimization. Yeah. It was like 250 bucks. I remember thinking, wow, this is a lot, like 250 bucks <laughs> for this like guide. And I implemented in it, in it today, that website has generated for rockstar real estate, probably literally no exaggeration millions of dollars in revenue gross <laughs> revenue not like net yeah, income, yeah. like not after expense. Yeah. i just mean gross revenue probably millions of dollars it was a 250 dollar guide that but i thought was time, too expensive exactly yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i was like no way i'm never gonna spend that yeah um so what tell me more about what you're up to now so like how how are people finding you are they finding you from listening to you on podcasts like this like is, uh, is it yeah. just kind of word of mouth uh yeah mostly word of mouth um what what's the what's the url people can go to to find more about yeah, what you're up so to. Yeah, so it's www.epiclivingacademy.com. Epiclivingacademy.com. Yeah. And what are they going to find on there? What you, you're you're uh, taking on new coaching clients? Yeah, yeah. No. Are you uh, selling pro Do you sell product on there? Yeah, I got a little bit of uh, everything. One-on-one um, -on -one coaching, group coaching. Uh, over the last couple of years, I've started to create programs. So the first program I created is a next-level health program. So it's a... Uh, a two-month program just to help you have kick-ass energy levels and feel really, really good. I uh, just created a new program I launched earlier in the year. It's called the Best Year Ever program. So it's a combination of operating at your best with energy levels, but also at the same time helping you get clear and maintain your focus and figuring out what it is that you want. Um, and most recently, I'm starting to host epic experiences. So some are local. I have something called Hikes with Mike. So I uh, actually was at High Park late last week. We went uh, for a hike there. Awesome. We hiked the Niagara Gorge. And literally, it's just you know a group of us. We get together. We get out. We, we mastermind. There's a bit of coaching. You know, we, we eat. It's just So I'm really looking to combine multiple life areas into experiences so if there's a way where you can improve your relationships your fun and adventure your personal growth um, your finances um, your health 
that's what I'm looking to do to bring them all together. So I'm super excited. I'm, I'm almost ready with all of the details on uh, an experience that I'm putting together in Alberta this uh, summer, uh, actually just after the summer in September. So yeah, bringing a group of people down there and um, yeah, I'm really big about getting cool people together, doing cool things in cool places. So that's a, that's a start for yeah, me. Yeah, very cool. So if you're yeah. listening to this and you don't remember the URL, you can go to rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash podcast. We will have Mike's episode there on the on the show notes. We'll have the URL. Say the URL one more time. Yeah, www.epiclivingacademy.com. Epic Living, epiclivingacademy.com. And the Epic Experience is such a good idea, man. Oh. The experience is stuff. I used to kind of like, I don't know. I used yeah. to discount some of that stuff. And then over the years, Nick and I have been uh, part of some mastermind groups that did some experiential type stuff. Like it yeah. wasn't just getting together in a banquet hall in some yeah. stuffy hotel. It was like, hey, we're going to go mountain biking and we're also going to like meet at this awesome resort and spa and do some mastermind. Yeah. But in the middle of the day, we're going to go mountain bike for like two hours. And I remember yeah. doing that in California and it was just the best thing ever. I know. And you make you, the friendships you make during yeah. those things and then the conversations you have. Yeah totally changed yeah, like it takes it to the next level because you know it, it doesn't end at you know the, the things like nine to four sometimes you go to these things right on a saturday or sunday and then it's done but what if you know you're doing something at eight to twelve like the rock climbing or mountain biking or um stand up paddle boarding on like this cool lake or whatever right and then you come back you have lunch together and then you do a little bit of masterminding or one of the attendees gets up and does like a, a, a training yeah, session or whatever. Yeah. And then you go back, you do some fun. And then in the evening, there's like fireside chats and things like that. Um, but I really admire you guys. Like I, I really enjoy how you guys have created uh, a really cool environment with your your company. And like I see the the axe throwing and like all the really <laughs> cool things. Like I think it's, it's a unique way to bring um, the group together and just like creating a really, um, good team and community. Like it, yeah, cool. it's really, Thanks. really cool. Thanks for that. And, uh, just having said that we're, the next thing we're doing is there's a <laughs> coffee roaster just down the street here in Oakville. I, we stumbled into, I'm at the gym and yeah. someone's like, Tom, you like coffee, right? I'm like, yes, I love my coffee. And they're like, there's a, co there's a coffee roaster. He's from Ecuador. Just came up here. I think he's Equ Ecuadorian. Yeah. Don't hold me to that, but he's yeah. just in the back of this, uh, tattoo parlor on the other side of this industrial unit off of Spears Road here in Oakville, um, you should go check them out. So I go into the back of this uh, industrial unit and this guy's got a coffee roasting machine back there and he's bringing in these beans from Ecuador and he's talking about all the different volcanoes that they have and just the different quality of beans. So in a couple of weeks, we're renting out his space there and the team's going to go over for like coffee tasting. So he's going to make us a nice. couple different brews. We're all yeah. going to get hopped up on coffee. <laughs> so even if someone, in the, a couple of people on the team don't drink coffee and I'm like, on this day, you're drinking coffee and you're yeah. To enjoy it yeah <laughs> so uh that's our i don't know how adventurous it is going to drink coffee but i'm so excited but it's I can't unique tell you. you know yeah, it's yeah, a unique yeah. oh and you love coffee too so yeah it works and <laughs> having having said that um i anything are you i just curious are you drinking espresso or just the bulletproof coffee and that's it yeah just bulletproof espresso, coffee bulletproof, yeah, you're, yeah and how many years you've been drinking bulletproof uh i'd say three years uh, on and off um but yeah i'm on right now Got it. Yeah, yeah, so and this is kind of the whole biohacker stuff. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you try something, see how you your body reacts to it, and then you maybe add something or you remove something, but it's just all about documenting the progress totally. and tracking it's and measuring. It's funny because even though I'm not having... So if you're listening to this, you're wondering what Bulletproof Coffee it is. It's just coffee with butter and, co and concentrated coconut oil. You blend it together. It comes out to this awesome 
substance called bulletproof coffee um but or some people call it butter coffee or high fat coffee or yeah. whatever you want to call it but bulletproof's uh, dave asprey's name for it but even though i'm not drinking bulletproof i still have brain octane oil all around because i really like the mental benefits that yeah. i get from the clarity i get from the concentrated coconut oil yeah um and i eat way more butter and fats than i ever did so i'm still having all those ingredients just in a different way yeah but i went two and a half years straight pretty much every single day without missing a day even traveling yeah the first time i had bulletproof was in san diego yeah. And I bought the grass-fed butter. It was the first time I bought it. I opened it and <laughs> you I didn't. bit it. And there was like a 24-hour fitness kind of place across from the gym and all these guys on elliptical machines. They're running on these elliptical <laughs> machines, seeing this guy eat a stick of butter straight. Oh. And then I went to the, my room and I made a bulletproof coffee and it was like an explosion in my I mind. I thought I was crazy you know, yeah. having the scoopfuls of like the coconut oil. <laughs> no, the butter. Uh, anyway. So the last, um, speaking of like good quality fats, um, the last couple of years, Irwin and James and I, we've been splitting on half a cow. Yeah, awesome. So we literally yeah. have like a, a freezer full. My freezer is uh, beef, uh, butter, and broth. I have a whole yeah. freezer oh, of perfect. all that. Yeah, my freezer is all the same things, but half of Nick's cow because Nick buys half a cow <laughs> for himself. Wow, and then he does a whole that, half yeah, himself. Yeah, and and then because he gets the best price that way. Yeah, and then they still use all the different stews and stuff. And uh, he doesn't have enough freezer space, Mike. So then he has an older brother. And I have a stand-up freezer that's massive. Yeah. Like I, I guess it's about seven feet tall. Well, we know where we're coming like, for the barbecue. Yeah, 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 yeah. And <laughs> anyway, he's occupying half my freaking freezer with all his meat. But that's well, charge, him in, that. charge him in rent yeah, with, yeah, totally. with, with meat. Yeah, another stream of income. Yeah. But Mike, thank you so much for doing this. We're going to yeah. have to do it again. Really appreciate you coming. I know we're not close exactly to <sighs> man, you, so really, good. really appreciate this. Yeah. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. it. Good. Hey everyone, so hopefully you enjoyed Mike's chat. Um, good guy, interesting to hear his story. Anyone who walks away from their job and quits their job is always an interesting story to me. It takes a lot of guts to do something like that. So uh, thank you, Mike, for coming on the show. Thank you everyone for listening. Listen, if you are listening to this and you have any feedback for us, feel free to send it in. Uh, the best email address to use um, for that is podcast at rockstarbrokerage.com. So if you send any emails in, use that email address, podcast at rockstarbrokerage.com com and that will get over to us um, so if you have any guest ideas any content that you want us to cover any feedback on the show um, we're always open to hearing that that's the best email address to use and if you want a copy of that report that shows property prices mapped against income levels historically here in this area you can get a copy of that at www.nomoremiddle.com so that's www.nomoremiddle.com and with that i think that's it for this episode until next time your life your terms.